0: Welcome to the original and the best Power Hour with Alex Burr and Dylan Hughes, members and podcast of the Running Hooks Podcast Network.
1: Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Running Hooks Basketball Power Hour. <laughs> I'm Alex Burr, and I'm joined by my very good friend, Caleb Lynn. Caleb... In the tradition of throwing a curveball, when you expect a fastball, who was the biggest snub in your mind from the NBA 76-75 at list? Oh, crap.
0: Um, crap. I felt more passionate about Dwight Howard not being on it. I mean, I know that's a cliche, but I mean, hey, you know, he's, he's been... I mean, he was a dominant force. I mean, he was, he was carrying... He was carrying people like Hido Turkoglu. He was people, He was carrying people like that on his back. Funny that <laughs> that's Tur- the first guy you mentioned. Hito Turkoglu Hito Turkaloo and you know <laughs> Ryan Anderson and Jimia Nelson and it's like <laughs> Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard should be getting ten percent of every check they ever received in their NBA careers because those guys would never have done anything. I would say Dwight Howard personally, but I I think, uh, but I know there's a lot of guys you can mention.
1: You remember that one little stretch of Hito's career when he went to like Phoenix and I think Toronto and he sucked and then he got traded back to the magic and he was good all of a sudden again. (laughs) (laughs) That was a funny little stretch in NBA history. But Tracy McGrady to me, Huge snub. I don't know how you can watch that guy oh, play T-Mac, basketball. Yeah, that's true. Like, I don't know how you can watch like even just highlights. I don't know how you can watch that guy play basketball and go. That's not one of the seventy five greatest players I've ever seen. It's ludicrous that's to me. Yeah. And, like, I they should have kicked some old guys off. I can <laughs> name a few. Draymond should have been. Draymond and Clay probably should have been on there. Maybe you could quibble about Clay, but Draymond definitely should have been. Um, and then Dwight, like you said. Those are the three biggest ones to me. Like, I'm glad Melo made it. Um, I'm glad AD was a little bit of a stretch. Yeah, they probably is. They should have yeah, just went ahead and named Jokic and Mbib. Like, both of those guys probably should have been on there. Like, honestly.
0: Well, I mean, you got to think whenever they do this next. My guess, Alex, is they'll do 100. That's my yeah. guess. Whenever they do 100, you got to think some of these guys we're talking about by the end of their career will eventually get on it
1: you'd hope you'd hope but that's always a discussion for a different time yeah Um. on to the agenda for today so Chris Paul yeah. we're going we're to talk about injuries and then we're going to talk about rookies on not good teams obviously it sucks but you know <laughs> the news is the news to talk about the injuries um, Chris Paul injured his thumb And he's going to be out for six to eight weeks. Now, the Suns heading into the All-Star break, Caleb, as you know, they have only lost 10 games, (laughs) which is wild. They are up six and a half games on the Warriors, eight games on the Grizzlies. They could conceivably just go, let's see, they have 24 games. They could go 12 and 12 and still comfortably finish. There's a good chance the Warriors and the Grizzlies wouldn't pass them. Caleb, I don't think that Chris Paul is going to hurt being out will hurt them as much in the regular season, but they need him to be right for the postseason. They can't like, we saw how hobbled he was last year. If they don't have him, I think they're toast.
0: I think, I think they're not in a good space. Uh, But man, you know, if you're James Jones, you know, you gotta be pleased with the fact that, you know, at least you got some insurance, you know, now you got Cameron Payne, but you also went out, this is when that Aaron Holiday for cash considerations can help a little bit, just takes that pressure off, gives you something, you know, some, uh, somewhat of competency. At least it's better than Alfred Payton. And, 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 the, Sun, and the Suns are in a, in a position where, you know, they're just, you know, they're riding high. Regular season's been really good for them. But, you know, it, it could help him on. I mean, this is going to sound really weird, but I actually think the Chris Paul injury will help him in the sense of I think the fact that he'll rest and get ready um, will make this team a lot better. And 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 that 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 could be really good. And it could potentially open up that bench even more for Monty to be creative and, and just make them even more of a powerhouse.
1: That's definitely true. And this is where the Aaron Holiday pickup comes in handy, too. And that's, you know, they have extra point guard depth. And I mean, you could try it like a mega jumbo lineup where Devin Booker's the point guard. (laughs) Yeah. And you have Bridges, Johnson, and Crowder all out there with Aiden. You could try that. There's a lot of different things you could try. And we've seen, you know, when. The Suns were bad. We've seen them try out Booker at right, point guard before. This isn't, he's obviously better optimized as like off, not off ball, but like just create for himself kind of scorer yeah. who can swing the ball when he needs. Like, I'm not saying Devin Booker's a me first guy at all. I'm just saying he's better utilized as a guy that's like, okay, Devin, you're our play finisher rather than our play creator. Right. Right. But he was the play creator before. And I think he's averaged six assists a game before, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know his exact career high, but before rubio got there he was having to handle the ball a lot so i think they could you know go to that a little bit i still think they run away comfortably with the one seed. maybe they don't win 65 games maybe they win 62 (laughs) Mm -hmm. but it would be a shock even if they just don't like how good they are outside of chris paul it would be a shock if they don't win 60 games Mm -hmm. and i think you know even if you miss chris paul for the first round caleb are you scared of any of the potential eight seeds besides um the the big one
0: <laughs> i mean not not an insane it. amount yeah not an insane amount i mean when i'm looking i mean and from my understanding the one that you're talking about is the one that i'm the least concerned with so i mean you you know for me it, it would be like um I think I think if Minnesota, I I would say that I think Minnesota would be a little more competitive uh, against Phoenix if they slid to the eight seed. I would say that that's not a that's not a that's not a five games. That's not a five game series uh, or even a six game series if Chris Paul is not available. Uh, But but, you know, for me, I feel like they should be in a good position to at least get through.
1: Yeah. I would agree with that. And, you know, we'll see how they play coming out of the All-Star break. I'm going to look up their schedule real quick. because I'm curious if, I mean, they're by far the best team in the league. (laughs) So they got the Thunder, Pelicans, Jazz, Blazers, Knicks, Knicks, next five games. So reasonably, reasonable expectations, three and two. Likely, I mean, four and one is not shocking at all. And frankly, five and oh, because the Jazz haven't been all that. The Jazz have been the most disappointing team in the league this year. I know that. Yeah. We have a big do-it-in-the-playoffs expectation for them, but they've really struggled in the regular season compared to their standards. And I'll be really curious to see how their schedule goes. A team that lost a star that needs him more in the Los Angeles Lakers, Anthony Davis is out for at least four weeks with a foot sprain, and I believe he'll be reevaluated. then. then. Um, it's not looking good for the Lakers, Caleb. They are going to need that LeBron at center lineup again. And that was mixed results. I praised him in our text messages, but still that even I know there's a logical extreme that can reach. Here's the Lakers next five games. So they got the Clippers, Pelicans, Mavericks, Clippers again, and then the Warriors. I don't think it's crazy that they go one in four in that stretch. <laughs>
0: oh, oh, I'm so tired of the Lakers. It's unreal. Everyone's tired of the Lakers. I'm tired of talking about the Lakers. I was disappointed you put this in the agenda. But oh, yeah, it's, ser- news. it's I know, news. I know. I know. I know. I But in all seriousness, I mean, I, I just it is a it is a huge injury for the Lakers. Um, and as you and I have talked about, um, you know, I think Anthony Davis his impact and what he does for the Lakers to me is just so incredibly massive way that roles get a little, even though I don't think anybody knows the role in the Lakers, but I think, you know, for the most part, when Davis is in the game, there's probably a little more clear understanding If that makes any sense. Um, Now you have Davis out of that picture and it's like, The way I would describe it is like you got this like gold, you know, look at this like piece of gold or something. Or you see this celebrity uh, out walking in the mall that everybody knows and he's hidden. But then all of a sudden he reveals himself and everybody's like, OMG, OMG, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's run, let's run, let's run. That celebrity is the championship for the Lakers. And there better not be anybody from the Lakers running to that because they are nowhere near that championship they are nowhere near it. They are nowhere to me, in my personal opinion, I've told you, Alex, I simply don't believe that this team will do anything in the playoffs. And as far as I'm concerned, I can see this team not even get in the playoffs. I I am not a believer in the Lakers. This injury is only this injury is, is only making me more confident. This is, this is making me more confident in how much I just seriously do not believe in the Lakers.
1: And, you know, it's interesting. I don't know if you listened to yesterday's mismatch, but they were talking about it. And that pick that um so the Grizzlies currently have the Lakers pick. The Lakers aren't going to get it in any scenario because the Pelicans protected it one through ten <laughs> and the Grizzlies get it if it's from 11 to 30. So if they miss the playoff skill, there's a real chance. <laughs> that the Pelicans are going to have another top 10 pick this year. (laughs) And they might have two based on their record right now. They're 23 and 36. So this is how the bottom of the West is looking right now. So the Clippers are 30 and 31. They're a game and a half over the Lakers somehow. I don't know how that works. They've played three more games than the Lakers. Hmm. Um, The Lakers are 27 and 31. Nine seed. The Blazers are twenty-five and thirty-four, two and a half games out of nine. And then the Spurs and Pelicans are both twenty-two and thirty-six, four and a half games behind the Lakers. And the Kings plus their hearts—they're they're the thirteen seed somehow. They're twenty-two and thirty-eight. <laughs> I didn't realize it was so bad for them. Um, yeah, it's it not looking pretty for the Lakers. I know you've expressed like I know you want teams to jump them so they don't even make the play. Heck yeah! But the bottom of the West is so bad. I don't know if going to happen.
0: I would much rather see... I would much rather see San Antonio or... you know, I, I mean the Kings have... Yeah, I don't understand that, but they probably put themselves out of the conversation. But I would much rather see a team like San Antonio in the play-in, because I actually want to see basketball played by a team, not just one individual putting people in places where they have to go for his own benefit. I would prefer, I would prefer to see some actual legitimate basketball right now when I'm looking at these playoffs. And I just don't believe, I just, I don't understand. I mean, the, the narrative around the Lakers, Alex is, well, you know, you never know, you know, you got LeBron and and you never know that they can always contend for a championship. Get I, I miss me with that. Miss me with that. I'm so tired of that argument. I'm so tired of that. LeBron, to me, this it, this is such a horrible, such a horrible team. It's pathetic. it's embarrassing to the game of basketball to watch this team be conducted. And as far as I'm concerned, you, you this is a team that I, I would not even. Wouldn't even, if, if my alarm woke up and it's, you know, and if I was a head coach and my alarm was like, all right, get ready for the Lakers. I'd be like, okay, give me 30 more minutes of sleep. Cause I don't need to, I don't need to prep for them. I don't need to, I don't need to prep for them. I know what I'm, I know what I'm getting. You know, I don't need to prep for them.
1: I like, I still think there's some part of NBA coaches that are terrified of LeBron James. However, there's no one else in this team to be terrified of, especially without Anthony Davis. Bless Russell Westbrook's heart, you know, <laughs> <laughs> he's not he's not up for this um and that failed trade god I don't I'm not we're, we're gonna we are be one of the only NBA podcasts that doesn't discuss the Lakers turmoil this week and all the LeBron rumors about him going possibly going back to Cleveland I don't care about any of that stuff but <laughs> it's crazy so right now basketball reference has the Lakers as the easiest remaining schedule in the West so I brought up that rough stretch they might have to start the post all-star break but basketball references them projected as a 37 win team and right now that would put them squarely where they are <laughs> and they have san antonio finishing 10th portland finishing 11th as portland has one of the hardest schedules left in the league so i or in the west i, I don't know man
0: so so, so it, in the play works I mean, I know what are kind of mean off topic, but the plan works. It's like the not, it, it would be the seven against the 10 and the eight versus the nine.
1: No, it's seven versus eight, nine versus 10. And then the oh, winner, me, oh,
0: sweet. The winner okay. of nine,
1: 10, loser, uh, the loser of seven, eight plays for the eighth seed. And this is the other problem with this, Caleb, is that sweet. these other teams, with the exception of Minnesota. Yes. I don't think any of them have a guy I would put on LeBron and say, I like, even in, you know, this, you know, scenario. I agree. I agree. Like, we saw Wiggins play defense like crazy, and LeBron still dropped 24 on him, I think, in the <laughs> yeah. playing game last year. <laughs> sure. Like, Wiggins played insanely good defense on LeBron, and it didn't matter, right? And that Lakers team was a lot better than this one, yes. but it doesn't change the fact that, LeBron is still LeBron. Like, who in Portland do you trust to stop LeBron? Nobody. I who trust you-
0: Justice Winslow.
1: I mean, bless your heart. <laughs> Herb Jones is one man. As good as he is on defense, he can't stop. And we'll talk about Herb Jones later. He can't stop everybody. I mean, nobody on Sacramento. The Clippers are the best equipped to guard him, but yeah, I think the Clippers would win the 7-8 game between them and Minnesota. So, man, I hope not. I you I, I,
0: I mean, because it's because no, because the reason is the reason is the reason is I want to see Minnesota in the playoffs. So, I, I really, I really don't. I really, I, I, would, I, mean,
1: I would favor Minnesota over the Lakers. That's about the only team in this play in mix because I'm taking Denver out of it. Denver, I think, has a very easier <laughs> schedule. Yeah. Denver is projected to win 47 games, so take them out of the play in mix.
0: Yeah, if if yeah. fan duel. If fan duel suggests the wolves against the Lakers, and I I guarantee you, Alex, the Lakers are favored. I guarantee you.
1: And you would be wise about the Wolves. I think the Wolves. You're exactly right. Like, I think the Wolves would win. You're exactly right. Because the the Wolves are too dynamic on offense and their defense is really good. And Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt should make an all defense. They need to have three all defense teams at this point. It's honestly ridiculous. I agree with that. <laughs> Jared Vanderbilt's so good on defense. You have McDaniels, you have Beverly. Like they're just they know how to like they know what they are. And that's the difference between them and the Lakers. And I want to see them in the playoffs. I think My I think truth. that they'll I think it'll be Los Angeles seven or the Clippers seven. Wolves eight, which is going to be a gauntlet for either of those teams to win the series, especially. But we'll, we'll see more about them later on. Yeah. Now, this, there is a bit of drama that I did find intriguing. I know I didn't want to talk about the Lakers clutch drama, but the Zion drama coming out of New Orleans is fascinating. Fascinating. Like, so there was a report last week that came out that he was probably gonna need another foot surgery yeah. and he's definitely gonna miss the rest of this season it remains to be seen if he'll be ready to go next season <laughs> and then all this stuff comes out about him like jj reddick goes on live tv and rips him right you never see this right especially with a guy of zion's caliber I you know. never see their teammates going on tv never. and ripping like you never see that. So for JJ, to like, and JJ is pretty popular amongst players too. Like, I don't listen to his podcast anymore because I needed to cut a lot of them out. But JJ is like really popular with the players. He knows what he's doing. And I think the players think he's a fair critic, right? Yeah. So for him to go on TV and do that, that's pretty damning. Yeah. Especially like all it takes is a simple phone call. Now there was right. a report, Caleb, yesterday. I don't know if you saw this. Yeah. That um, Zion Williamson and CJ McCollum did get in contact yesterday. I don't know if you saw that. Conveniently timed. <laughs> Conveniently timed. So, What's your opinion on all of this Zion
0: Madness? Oh my gosh. Um, I mean, there's so many angles to this. Um, but but I, I will say this, though. I will say this. I, I, don't, I don't like how it's being covered right now. Though. I will say that. Um, the, the reason I don't like the way that it's being covered right now is I think there are more than one there's more than one party to blame. Um, and and I, think, I think, you know, Zion, I mean, you and I talked about it on pods and, and obviously everybody in, in, yeah, every sports fan uh, was excited about Zion entering, uh, you know, the NBA, And the hype and excitement that he gets and there was so much praise and excitement for what he can be. So yeah, I I think a lot of the frustration of not seeing him play obviously sucks and and rightfully so and I, you know, and I think, you know, for what JJ said. I mean, he's somebody who can say that because he was his teammate and he, he's going to know, but um, I, I've texted you this. I, I just, I think David Griffin absolutely has to be more accountable for this. I, I just, I think you got to look in the mirror um, and, you know, sit there and go, what, what am I doing? You know, like it, w- what's my plan? What's my commitment? Am I committed to Zion Williamson in the long term? If Zion Williamson came back to my facility tomorrow, and he said, I'm committed to the team. Uh, let's talk about, let's talk a contract extension. Are you giving that? I think if you're the, the, see, like I, I just, to me, there, there's so much more than just, I mean, I'm not like some of this stuff especially with the injury, I think it's a combination of everything. Clearly Zion doesn't trust medical staff. Clearly he does not trust the new Orleans Pelicans medical staff. And he does not trust their way of going about training uh, or the way of going about rehabbing. And, you know, the way he's doing it is obviously not working, but he, I guess, just doesn't care or doesn't want to be back on the basketball court. Um, Forget about it for um just the Pelicans, but ever. And I mean, you, to me, there's just a lot of questions and, and a lot of, you know, <laughs> (laughs) parties that have to be blamed by this, not just one guy in Zion. This is this is an to me, this dilemma is the New Orleans Pelicans the last 10 years. This summarizes the New Orleans Pelicans the last 10 years. We have this great star, Anthony Davis, I Williamson. We pick them really high. They're really good. They're really exciting. They're showing all this promise. And then yet there's something that happens. Either they're frustrated, sad, injuries, lack of trust. And then all of a sudden it's this complete uh, clunk of garbage. And I just, I think this is, this to me is, it, to me, it's not a coincidence that this organization keeps having this happen.
1: Yeah. I mean, they don't care about the Pelicans. They really don't. Like Gail Benson is I mean, what's their main money maker? <laughs> it's the Saints. Like I, that's that's problem A right there. Yeah. B, if somebody comes in and buys the pellet, like the, I'll give Gail this right. And yeah. um, I don't remember the name of her dearly departed husband. Um, but they keep the team in New Orleans, right? That's about the only positive thing you could say about that ownership group. And Caleb, let's just take you back to 2019, right? You know. Texas yeah. Tech. Yeah. Um Virginia wins the championship. Yeah. I tell you. All right, I give you three two doors, right? Correct. Door A is the Pelicans have the first and fourth pick and they take Zion Williamson first. Correct. And then door in door A you either take DeAndre Hunter or Darius Garland, right? Door B is you take Jackson Hayes you trade down, you get two extra first round picks. You take Jackson Hayes and you take Nikhil Alexander Walker indoor in 2019. What Caleb would have told me that was a dumb idea
0: to go with the Garland and Hunter.
1: No, to go with, vision. Uh, to go with Hayes and Nikhil Alexander Walker.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, that, yeah. Um, I, I, the Hayes and Nikhil Alexander situations um, clearly has not worked for them. They're they're not a part of their, I mean, they're not, they're not, they're clearly not in their core. Uh, I mean, you, you know, obviously Nikhil is, is traded, but I mean, it doesn't seem like Jackson Hayes is part of their core. So, I mean, they've, they've messed up on that significantly. I, that's a great point. Alex.
1: I don't know why he didn't get traded to the deadline. Um, I do Yeah. Like he's actually, wow. I got to say this. He's actually been playing pretty well this year. But coincidentally, wow. like him and Zion together never made sense. That was the thing. Yeah. It's like, why are you going to draft a rim running five right. when you have somebody who plays exclusively at the rim? And maybe they, I don't know if he was a jump shooter at all in college. Maybe they're like, oh, My- he could be Miles Turner. Spoiler alert, he's not
0: Miles Turner. No, he's not. He 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 never he never was. I, I, to be honest with Yox, when he came out in college, I never understood the hype. Extremely athletic big man who could roll and the whole nine yards, but Alex, I can get an athletic rolling big man in the second round. I don't need to go out and go get a guy in the top 15, um, doing what he did. And in my opinion, very limited action. I to me, Jack, Jackson Hayes, Jackson Hayes, as far as I'm concerned, I am I, staying away from him. I, if I'm a team that's wanting to trade, I am not taking a shot at him. Number one, I can't trust him. I can't trust I can't trust him on the court because he's because it feels like he's always injured. But then I can't trust him off the court right now. Like, let's not forget. Let's not forget some of the stuff he's been doing off the court now, Alex. I mean, there's some real there's some real questions and concerns there uh, from the Pelicans perspective. I mean, that that has been a bad draft pick in many levels.
1: I mean, so some of the players selected after him, Rui Hachimura would have been better next to Zion and Ingram. Cam Reddish, who can really say at this point he hasn't really been given a whole lot of opportunities. Cam Johnson, he wouldn't have drafted him. Like, it was a shock when the Sun drafted him. Was yeah. PJ Washington, maybe. Tyler Hero, I can understand why he didn't go in the top. So those are some of the guys. And some of the guys selected after Nikhil Alexander-Walker. So Goga and Lucas Samanich, I totally butchered Luka's name, but I don't care. Uh, <laughs> Matisse Seibel... <laughs> <laughs> Would have, would have been a bad pit, fit on the pelicans brandon clark probably would have been a bad fit grant williams i could have seen him working in new orleans right um take a shot on a guy like darius Bazley. take a shot like yeah. you're the pelicans you were like i think that's the problem is that they were trying to be too good too soon right i agree and rather than going down the developmental path they went down okay we're trying to go all in ingram yeah. blossomed into a star that might have been part of their thinking like okay ingram's really good and Ingram's been great every year he's been in New Orleans, like one of the most underrated players in the league, full stop. And there were so many projects you could have taken at 17. Like yeah. you could have taken Kelvin Johnson. You could have taken right. like, right. Baisley would have been a good fit there little, right? Like there's so yeah. many guys Yeah. Like, just take a shot on a guy and to try to develop. And right. they didn't develop. I wouldn't be surprised if Nikhil Alexander-Walker looks a lot better in Utah than he did in... You know, than he did in New Orleans. I agree. And I wouldn't that. be surprised if Jackson Hayes looks a lot better in his next spot than he does in New Orleans, I, right?
0: I'm like, on like, Hayes, but I think he looks better than another team.
1: Like, if he was on Charlotte, Charlotte can really use a guy like Jackson Hayes. Like, I think that's the kind of rim running guy that they could like develop into a good backup. I think just something, right. Something else, change the scenery and Lonzo left, you know, that's one of the worst decisions of the off season is trading Lonzo for, <laughs> for Sadaransky and Garrett temple. Um, that's, uh, it was bad at the time. And I think it's only looked worse in hindsight. <laughs> um, which, by the way,
0: which, by the way, can you please eat it on Garrett Temple being a top 100 player? Please eat
1: it. I, I had him at like 182 and you please gave me eat shit it. for it. Please eat it. Please eat it. I, okay. I will eat it on him being a top 200 player, but top 250, maybe. Um, Let's let's go ahead and move on to the rookies. So like I said, on this one, there's a lot of rookies to get into. And so I figured our best way to go about this would be to talk about the rookies who are on bad teams right now. And then later talk about rookies who are on good teams. And originally my conceit was I was going to do the, you know, play in teams. But I'm like, you know, play in teams are actually fighting for a spot. Um, they're not going to they're not likely to be playing a whole lot of rookies. So we can add the play in teams in there. Cause there's some guys actually playing for play in teams like Mobley Barnes. We're not going to be talking to them on this episode. Kuminga Sire Williams, um, Corey Kispert. I didn't really shoehorn in. I, we probably should talk about him, but I think we've talked about him enough on the power hour uh, where we don't need to be spending a whole lot of Corey Kispert time. Um, <laughs> and so I think there's a lot of interesting rookies in this class. I didn't put Quentin Grimes in the agenda, but I probably should have. Um, We'll talk. I think we can rapid fire through some rookies at the end, but let's start with the number one pick Caleb in Detroit and with that's Kate Cunningham and he is having an up and down rookie season to say the least right now. Mm-hmm. He is current, like just box score statistics. He is currently at 50, 16 points a game, five rebounds, five assists on 39, 20, 32, 86 shooting splits. Caleb just okay. Let's establish this first. What were your thoughts on Cade coming into the draft? Like, just as a little bit of background.
0: Um. Well, a difference maker. Somebody who can give it to you. You know, on the scoring end, he can rebound. He can pass. Finish at multiple levels. Um. A, a good defender when he puts his mind to it. Um. Somebody that uh, can take, can, can, can really show, um, and be an all around player, somebody that you can guarantee can be a part of your core for 10, for, for 10 plus years. And, you know, whether that's star, all-star superstar, um, I'm not there yet, but you know, I think he's probably a star, probably an all-star at some point in his career. I, I, I think he's. When I looked at what he was going to do, that's kind of what I envisioned.
1: I think, so I don't know if you listened to last week's pod, but last week I com- kind of ha- compared his effect a little bit. Like he kind of does a little bit of everything, right? And it kind of has a Kyle Lowry-esque effect. Now, obviously mm. the Pistons aren't good, but I think he's six. Like I I, I think 6'6", six, six Kyle Lowry is probably what you could describe Cade best as. Is just because he, you know, does a little bit of this, right? Does a right. little bit of that. He's not... Right. I think the biggest knock on Cade, and tell me if I'm wrong, and I watched a little bit of him at Oklahoma State, is that he definitely picks his spots too much. He's definitely not going to come out and shoot. Like this year, he is shooting a lot. I think he's the reason he's at 39% from the field is because he's shooting. Right now, he's at 15.2 field goal attempts a game right? He's having to shoot, but in his, I think in Cade's ideal mind, I think 15 is the most shots he wants to take in a game. I don't think he wants to take 20 shots. I don't think he wants to take, like some of these guys would be more than happy to take 20 shots. Like Jalen Green, you let him get shots up, (laughs) he's going to gun him. So do you think that Cade's lack of aggression will, do you think that could be a problem down the line or do you think that'll help him as a player?
0: Heck yeah. I mean, if you're not around a team that's got really good pieces, which let's just be honest, Alex, when you're looking at the Detroit piece, you know, the Detroit Pistons, th- this is a group that's got a lot of question marks. They're not, they're not really sure who they're going to build around and who they're not going to build around. And you gotta be, you, if, if Kane was on Alex, a real, like a team, if he was the last step for a team, like I think of an example. Um, he's like, not to, I, I, there's, a, there's a team, there's, you know. I can't think of a team off the top of my head. But if he was the missing piece, if he was somewhat of a missing piece to a team that was somewhat right around the plan or heading into the direction of a playoff spot, he'd be he'd be great. But what he's being asked to do in Detroit is be the number one option. So you can't you can't be tentative right now. You you just can't.
1: Yeah, and that's a really good point. Sadiq Bay is killing it this year. I'm going to pull up his stats real quick, but Sadiq has been... He had a horrible start to the year, but right now he is at 35% from three on seven attempts a game. Um, On this bad Pistons team, that's about as good as you could hope for. He is a career 36% shooter on seven attempts a game. That guy gets him up, but... He's about the only guy they have that can buy a shot right now. Jeremy been in and out of the lineup. I think they've probably played about 20 games together, if I had to guess. Him and Jeremy Grant. Um, Killian Hayes is doing a lot better as a six-man. I think Bagley will buy him a couple assists if they play together, but I think Cade's ultimate destiny is just to be a connector, right? I'm going to be the guy that brings everybody together and makes everybody better. And I don't, like... I've kind of been waffling because, you know, before the draft, I would have drafted Cade first overall, obviously hindsight's 2020. Like, I'm not sure if this is a guy you want as your first overall pick, you know, like, cause he, if he's not bringing that dynamic scoring and he's bringing it every night, then he's like a real, like you said, he, I think his ceiling right now is all-star. I don't think it's all right. NBA. And I think that's a problem. If Like, obviously, It's a problem when Evan Mobley's third, right? Right. (laughs) And we like Evan Mobley was drafted to a lot better team, you know, even though they were twenty two and 50 last year, they had two very deserving all-stars this year. Correct. And Rubio was a really good addition. So the Cavs just were in a better spot than the Pistons were. Correct. That being said, I still, I don't don't know, Caleb, I think at this point I'm willing to take the L (laughs) (laughs) on Cade Cunningham. And I think I'm willing to say that Cade definitely, sh- or that Mobley definitely should have been first. Am I crazy for thinking that?
0: No, you're not. Um, but I don't, I, again, I think you're, 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 you're really going into the present here with mm-hmm. Detroit. You're, you're, if, if, if you're the Pistons, and this is something I was really excited to talk to you about when we were discussing and looking at the agenda. So from the Detroit perspective, you're the front office next year. I think you got to make a decision. You know what Cade Cunningham is. He's a great player. We got to maximize his skill set. Point blank. Period. End of discussion. Who are core members of the Detroit Pistons? That's the question I have to have answered by before next season. I have to answer it. And whoever's not, aka in my personal opinion, Jeremy Grant, needs to be traded. You got to, you got to, you got to trade what, in my opinion, you've got to expand your championship window. You've got to expand it. I understand Detroit's not a championship contender, but you know what I mean? You're trying to build something that can get you success in the long term. In my opinion, Alex, I came up with the list of players that I believe are the core of the Detroit Pistons. And you can correct me if you disagree. I think you got Cade Cunningham. I think you got Sadiq Bay. And I think you got Isaiah Stewart. I know Isaiah Stewart hasn't been as great as he was last season, but I think those three guys I really believe strongly in. Other than that, Alex, you 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 got you got to figure out ways to maximize that three in whatever way it looks.
1: Yeah, and I think okay, I have to say I think Hamadou Diallo. I thought about I just, him. Yeah. I have to speak for Dylan Hughes here. Right. He's very, very good. I like him a lot. I, he should definitely be a guy they look at trying to keep long term. Yes. I think you need that. Like, this team isn't athletic. That's one of the most shocking things is that Cade's not a super athlete. Killian's not a super athlete. Sadiq and Isaiah Stewart aren't super athletes. Right. So, Hamadou Diallo, and now you have Bagley in there who's been injured, but he's still a, a better athlete than any of those guys. This right. team needs more athleticism. And. Yeah. Any like any infusion of athleticism is something this team needs. Okay. I think this is a team that just needs to okay, here's my question for you then. yeah, sure. So if you're the if you're picking number one and you're the pistons, are you definitely taking Jabari Smith? No, no. Are you taking, no. who are you taking if you're the Pistons?
0: You um, the I mean, I, I'm not saying I wouldn't consider Please help me understand that. I'm just saying I'm not definitely picking I, If I'm, if I'm the Pistons, I, I would honestly really consider long and hard about Cunningham and, and Ivy long term. Mm. I, I think, I think, I think that would be something I would really, really consider. Um, I, 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 I think Jabari would be really good, but please don't get me wrong. I mean, if they went out and did it, I'd be like, yeah, oh, you know what I'm saying? But I think I think there's a lot of avenues that you can go in. It would not shock me if Detroit if Detroit said like at this point, Alex, Killian Hayes is a flat out bust. I mean, let's just let's just phrase it how it is. He's not good. He's, he's not he's not giving you what you want. And, you know, at this point, I would argue he is a point guard. That is what he is. But I cannot afford him to be my point guard because I have Cade cutting so at that point, I got to figure out my off guard. Now, if Alex, if you think that's Hamidou Diallo, if you think Hamidou Diallo is the shooting guard, then I can go to a big and I can go power four. But if you don't believe, you know, but if Detroit says, you know, Hamidou Diallo is not part of my core four, then, you know, maybe I look into picking a, picking an off guard uh, and, and rather than going big. You know what I'm saying? I think they got a couple options on the table.
1: It's definitely something to... I think Homie Diallo can't shoot well enough to be your starter. I love the Jaden Naivi idea to Detroit because they, like I said, like I was just saying, they need an infusion of athleticism. Right. (laughs) That's what this team desperately needs. Right. I don't think, like, I think all four of the top guys would fit this Detroit team really well. I I agree with that. I have to say, like, the consensus top four right now is in any order, Chet, Ivy, Holmgren, or Chet, Chet Ivy, Javari Smith, and Paolo Benchero. Yeah. I think any of those guys would be great. Like, I right now, I'm pretty sure right now the Pistons are the worst team in the league. So, <laughs> they really need any talent, top-tier talent they can get. Yeah. And, but you're right. I think that infusion of athleticism at the guard spot Right, We're, we've seen got like young guards come in, right? John right. Morant, John Morant, and Trey Young are both already top fifteen players in my mind, and those guys are both on their rookie contracts still. Like, yeah, we've seen these young guards come in and be uber impactful, like Darius Garland. Right? We never used to see guards come in and be this good this early. Well, like yeah, yeah. I'm just, this name, me thinking of them off the top of my head. I know that they're not all like Jaden Ivey, but right. might be a worthwhile investment like everyone's been talking about taking one of the
0: big men first but i mean we'll we'll see kane is the most physically gifted strength wise and power wise and body wise his body is frankly better than all these players you just mentioned so like if he could continue his skill set and trajectory we could we could be talking about Kate Cunningham like you just said those other guys in terms of that high of a player. Yeah.
1: I mean he needs to put on weight. He apparently I, agree. I, I, agree. I was listening to um Chark say and Kyle Mann yesterday and they were saying he's lost weight. And I agree I don't agree with a lot of what they said about Kate, but I agree that he needs to put on weight because if he was about two thirty, two forty, like in that Luca Harden range where he could just bully guys. Cause he's not, Yeah. Yeah. this is the problem with Cade is that he's really skilled, but skill will only get you so far. If you have no like advantages at all. Right. I agree. Like Harden's advantage. Like when it comes to physically is that he can stop, start better than anybody in the history of the NBA. Right. Luca has a really good first step. I don't, (laughs) Cade is pretty good at navigating screens, but he's not super athletic, and you, you just need one physical advantage, and then you'll be set. Right. I want to see if he can develop that. Um, I think we're good on Detroit. You think we're good on Detroit?
0: I think we're good on Detroit.
1: Okay, let's go ahead and move on to Houston. They had the second pick, and they selected Jalen Green. Mm. They had the 16th pick and selected Alperin Shangoon. Mm. They had the 23rd pick and selected Josh Christopher, and 24th pick and selected my guy Uzvan Karuba, who has, I don't believe, has played this year, or if he... Oh, you played 15 games this year. Huh? I haven't seen any of them, but their main contributors out of their four picks were, uh, I'm sorry. I flipped Garuba and Christopher. They picked Christopher at 24 and Garuba at 23, but they've had a lot of, um, they've given the rookies a lot of playing time. And let's start with Jalen green. He's the obvious guy to start with. Yeah. Um, yeah, He's not much of a passer yet. He's only averaging 2.3 assists a game, but they're trying to make Kevin Porter Jr. the point guard there. So that's kind of an interesting experience to watch as he's kind of been the off guard. But what was your rap on Jalen Green before he came into the draft?
0: Um, honestly, what he is right now, but higher scoring numbers. Uh, somebody who would be able to put up 18 to 19 points a game give me like maybe like four assists. I, Jalen Green, Jalen Green is, is a difference making score. Uh, I mean, there is no debate on that, Alex. I mean, when you when you're, ta- when you were talking about just the scoring attribute alone within the top three in last year's class, I would make an argument. Jalen Green is best score. Okay. He, 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 he just does it in an, in, in, such an ease, he, he does it at such ease. His range is such at ease. Uh, he can get to us, you know. And you never, you never have to worry about him not being aggressive with the shot. That's I true. mean, he's he is he is going to be aggressive with the shot. Which, if you're Houston, you need that. You you need that. So, I mean, you need somebody who can come in and just know. Okay, I'm that guy. I can put the ball in the hole. That's what Jalen Green has been. That's who he was coming into the draft and you're seeing that a little bit this year. And, you know, I think I agree with you, Alex. Uh, and I think it's really a good point that you made about Kevin Porter coming in. They're trying to make him the point guard. Kevin Porter, what did Kevin Porter, Kevin Porter coming out of USC was simply a bucket getter. Okay. So he's transitioning into being somebody who's got to pick his spots a little more, uh, rather than just Chuck, which is kind of what he, and I'm not saying Chuck in a bad way. I'm just saying, shot a shot a lot. And you know, when you're, when you're, when you're trying to do that, if you're Kevin Porter, that will affect the rest of the team. So I think this year is a very um, experimenting some things. And then from there, I think next season, that's when we really, really got to look at Houston and be like, okay, you know, is their plan really going to work? Because I I think you can't really judge him this season, in my opinion.
1: I agree. Jalen green has one of the most impressive first steps I think I've seen like this is burst. Yeah. And he's not re- like you brought up that he can make a lot of shots. He's not making a lot of shots this year, right? He's only shooting 39% from the field, what? but he, I think part of it is that his body is moving too fast for his brain. Right. And I think it's one of those things where once his brain catches up to how fast his body is moving, right. Cause he's 19. He's not going to grasp sure. the intricacies of NBA basketball right away. And once his brain catches up to where, you know, like how fast his body is moving and he can adjust speeds. There's some, like, I haven't said this on a pod. Cause we, when we did Houston week, we um, didn't. And I think Houston week is actually next week. Our next Houston week. But when we did Houston week, Jalen wasn't playing, you know, that was when they were going on the eight game winning streak right. earlier this year after right. that horrid start. <laughs> I think Jalen out of the top five guys, I think he's got the second highest ceiling after Mobley. I think just like his bot, like mm-hmm. what he can do as a scorer. I, I can see the right. vision now, right? Like I didn't watch a whole lot of G League games last year, but he's, yeah. he's kind of reminiscent of, I, I feel like this comparison gets thrown out a lot, but if he puts on weight, it's kind of like Zach Levine where he's just super explosive, but he's got that like shot creating skill too. To, right. Is yeah. Like, right it's going to be so deadly. I want to see it, you know, as he gets older this year, I'm not saying it's a wash <laughs> because, you know, any progress is good progress and he's shooting 46% on twos. So it's something.
0: And, yeah. I I get what you mean, Alex. I know the percentages say that he's not, but don't act like he does not look good. When oh, he's, he's doing looked, all that. He's one you of know the, what I mean? That's all I'm mm-hmm. saying. That's a big deal.
1: He's one of like, when you when it just comes to watching basketball, right? Right. Like the dude is so fast, his shot is looks right. so good. Right. It's gonna start falling. The question right. is when. And I'm not. I definitely like I said. I don't throw that out lightly. I was really, you know, I was really high on Cade coming out of the draft. Yes, you into were. The draft last year. Yes, you were. Yes, so you were. for me to say this, I like. I don't think I'm. You know. <laughs>
0: No you, you you again, you know you you talk about it. you know again, this is when the G, G league is creating a different set of audiences and it's creating mm-hmm. a different set of perspectives and talents. And when you're looking at somebody like a green, he did not get the exposure to the um did not get as much exposure to a okay, K Cunningham. You know, the average person can see Cade Cunningham more easier and have more access to him. And Jalen Green, it's not, a, it's not a shot. It's just the truth. I mean, you got to go intentionally search G League basketball to watch it. Okay. And, and so and that's not a shot. I'm just saying that's just what they got it. That's just what they got to do. And I think Jalen is somebody moving forward that, you know, has shown. What he can be has shown the type of potential that he has. Definitely has. I'm um, pulling up
1: Cleaning the Glass. You know my favorite website. Oh, you? Love it, it. Well, I I really love the shooting numbers, and so on Cleaning the Glass. And right now he's shooting 57% of the rim, 42nd percentile for a combo guard. Um, right now, where he's really struggling actually is floater range. If he could get a floater, right, and he's six six, he might not need one, but some kind of reliable mid range game. Because he's going to start making threes eventually. It's a matter of when. Nice. And Kevin Porter Junior is transitioning to be a point guard. He's not a natural point guard yet, so he's not playing oh, with an actual so point hard. guard. <laughs> right? I, they have an actual yeah. point guard on their roster, but you know, <laughs> we all know what's going on there. Um, I think once he gets surrounded by an actual like point guard, you know, I think it'll the numbers will start to look better shooting wise, and. Because I think you can mix in a healthy diet of catch and shoot, and yeah, you know, pull up, yeah. And I, I want to see him more as he matures into a second year. I think he's, I think he. Remember when De'Aaron Fox was a rookie and he had a blah rookie year? Like I, yeah. I don't remember De'Aaron Fox's rookie year at all. But then year two, De'Aaron Fox was a monster. Monster. That might, that might happen next year. I. Agree. And I'm not saying it will, but there's a chance. I could see it happening. Yeah. And I think the sky's the limit for Jalen. And he's got good size. If he could ever figure I out on the defensive that. end, <laughs> he and Kate Cunningham are the same, same size, which is another reason, like, obviously, Jalen Green weighs a lot less. He needs to put on weight. He needs to probably get to, like, 180, I would say. Jalen? Yeah, I'd say, at like, 180. I think he's one six, listed at 165 coming into the year.
0: Yeah, he was 165 coming into the year, 186 now. Okay. 186 now. I I have to think that's a lie, (laughs) but But yeah, yeah, no, yeah, maybe. He looks dripping wet out there,
1: like yeah. He I I I don't buy it, but (laughs) John Morant I think is listed at one seventy five, and John Morant's like six one, so I I don't know. They might be be, uh, uh, uh,
0: exaggerating the numbers.
1: Yeah you know nba <laughs> weights not the most reliable numbers you know they say yep. jokic weighs jokic is probably about 270 right now but back in the day that man was definitely over 300 pounds so we <laughs> they, they definitely aren't very truthful about nba playing weights but <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think the love limit for um it's fair. for Jalen Green i think they have a couple other intriguing young guys on their roster i think alperin I, I think and <laughs> is looking really good this year. He's yeah. only playing 19 minutes a game, which is not shocking at all. Um, Steven Silas, bless his heart. <laughs> he can play Jalen Green <laughs> 30 minutes a game. But the sight of seeing Alper and Shen out there for more than 20 minutes a game, I think sickens him to his core. And that's, listen, Steven Silas is given a raw deal. So any chance he can have to play Vets, he, I think he's, <laughs> I don't blame him for taking it. Um, but have you seen anything from Shen that you've liked this year? <laughs> <laughs>
0: In all seriousness I mean, Shane Goon has been A lot better in his first year than I expected I will say that, I mean, he's been He's been a lot better, he's he's very He's very talented, he's He's very skilled Um I, I I agree with you on the minutes. I completely and wholeheartedly agree. He should get more minutes. But I mean, you can't. I mean, I, I feel like you said it's hard to it's hard to really take a huge shot on it. Because I mean, the fact is, you know, they they you know, Silas is going to want Silas wants to see some veterans in there. He doesn't want to just have a team of you know all under twenty five or, or you know, whatever you want to you know, whatever you want to make it. So, uh, but I think Shagun Goon is a really good piece for them. Uh, I, I just my big thing for him is, and um, I think you are going to disagree with me, uh, but I think you have to make a decision. Um. I wouldn't say next year, but I think you have to make it a couple years. I think Shingoon and Wood will not coexist. Oh, like, I agree wholeheartedly. So you have, to, you have to decide as a franchise, what, what am I going to trust in? Do I trust in Christian Wood or do I just want to really let this rookie foundation um, do its thing? I think, I think it's, uh, to me, Alex, it's, it's kind (laughs) of, it's kind of, I wouldn't say it's the same type of situation because they're two different players, but they're going to be in an Indiana situation in like two to three years. It's like, who who are you going to choose? Because these two don't, these two to me are minimizing what the other can do. They can play. I'm not saying you can play with somebody all the time, right? But there's certain guys just make you better. And if you're Houston, which guy do I think has the highest ceiling? Personally, it's, it's I think that's Shingun.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like I agree wholeheartedly. And Christian Woods been pretty good in Houston, right? Like he had really? a little bit of an incident earlier this year. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, he's. I mean, he's played fifty four games, averaging seventeen and a half and ten. He's very but, good. But Christian Woods never played on a winning team. No. And. I mean, it's looking very good stats, bad team guy. And we don't have a whole lot of those in the league right now, but I mean, you can make the case. I want to see him on a team with actual point guard, right? Because I think there's something there when and the first 20 games of last year. Now, granted, you know, 20 games is not a large sample size, but he was playing defense out there. He was doing really well. He was playing with John Wall. I really liked the way he looked back then, but I need to see it right. I need to see it on a team that has actual championship aspirations. I think I trade him in the offseason,
0: but 26. He's 26. Yeah. He's, your, your core players fill in the blank on you think Jalen Green, Kevin Porter, and their rookie class, Jay Sean Tate, if, if those are your core players, he is like four or five years older than those guys. Well, Jayshon Tate is twenty six. <laughs> well, but I'm just no. I mean, but I'm just saying you got to consider the fact you got to consider all of that stuff going on there. That's all I mean. I mean, I know yeah. Tate's, Tate, Tate's an interesting situation because he, you know, had a tough time getting into the league. Now he's in the league. Now he's really good. But you got to make a decision. About a guy like Wood, because I mean, clearly Christian Wood is a, and it's shown he's a guy that can get 16 to 18 a night and gets you 10 rebounds. Well, Jason Tate is a really, he's a really, really good role player um, who can kind of fit in different ways. Christian Wood to me is a little bit better than a role player. So I, I, if I was Houston, I agree with you, Alex. I'm looking at the market on him. <laughs> And I'm saying to myself, what would what would that look like? What would a package look like uh, to get him to get him? I would think I would think there's there's teams around the league, Alex, uh, that would gladly take the services of Christian Wood and, and give the Rockets something decent to work with.
1: We'll see for sure. Um, real quick on Christopher, cause we don't have to spend a whole lot of time on him. Sure. I think you and I disagree. I think this is the most you and I disagree about any player in this class. I love Christopher. <laughs> well, with the exception of Wagner, I think Christopher, what's your opinion on Christopher? Just real quick.
0: Um, I think, I think Christopher, Christopher's really shaped this game a little bit. He's really, he's really shaped this game a little bit. Um, but in my personal opinion, Alex, he has to be okay with being a role player because he's not a star. So um, the three-point numbers have to go up, 32%. That has to go up. Um, the passing needs to go up. Two assists at a guard position, it's inexcusable. I need the numbers up higher. I, in general, I need, I, just, I need to see a more – Josh Christopher, to me, if he understands his role, will be a very good player. But Josh Christopher, if you look at his prep days, has been considered as a somebody that a lot of people really like, rightfully so. But, you know, he's got a great personality. And, you know, there's a lot of things to, to get into there that people really want to follow. But my personal opinion, he's not a star. And, you know, he, and, and until he, you know, and, and, and unless he buys into that, Alex, I think he's just going to be sitting there leaving you with more questions and what ifs then josh christopher's a really good player you see what i mean
1: i yeah i agree i mean i think he's really like really bought into playing defense this year right i think they have a good group of veterans there with i know matthews isn't a veteran but he's veteran age um (laughs) but eric gordon you know i think that's one of the reasons why they wanted to keep him is for the culture And I think if they have a good culture there, you know, you'll get a guy like Christopher to buy it and play defense. And I agree. I think that's by far the best thing he does. And this Rockets team needs as many defenders as they can get. But um, moving on to the Orlando magic. So they had two top eight picks and they selected Jalen Suggs and Franz Wagner. Um, Suggs has only played 39 games. He had a bit of a thumb injury that he missed the, made him miss a lot of time.
0: <laughs> Get to the guy you want to talk to, Alex. Get to the guy. Come on.
1: I mean, real quick, because Suggs hasn't Suggs has been fine this year, but
0: he's I think he's having a hard time adjusting. Why do you think that is? Because you got too many guys in the room. You got to pick and choose if you're the magic. Again, this is the same situation I'm talking about in Detroit, where in my personal opinion, they have a limited amount of people that they can put in their core orlando's problem right now is they have too many young guards they have too many and if you have too many then you don't know what to fit in and you can only do so much as a guard whether that's be a facilitator scorer and, and things of that nature alex i i think i think they've got to make some decisions i i, I mean that false contract looks hideous that looks hideous because if you're the magic, you've got pieces everywhere getting way less money who are good players moving forward for your team. You know, like if I if I'm I mean, that that that, that looks like a really bad contract, because at this point, I mean, I, I think RJ Hampton's fine, but I think RJ, you got it. You got to move off him. You got to move off him uh, because you got you got you to commit to something. You pick this guy, Alex, to be a star for you. You picked this guy to be a star, and and I know you like this guy. You watched him live. I watched him live. You you know the type of talent that he is, a true point guard, a true point guard. Chris Paul's skill set with passing and display, his star potential. The the magic need to get this guy high-level minutes. It's an absolute joke what they're doing. They they need they need to look they need to look in the mirror and they need to say what two guards am I keeping? Two pick two. And in my opinion, they're gonna have to, ch- to keep Fultz because no one's gonna take on that freaking contract. And they're gonna have to take and they're gonna take Suggs. But Cole Anthony's good. Cole Anthony's, Anthony's Cole good. Anthony's good. <laughs> Cole Anthony. If we were
1: an idea, I wanted to try. I don't think we'll have time to do it. The all sophomore team. Cole Anthony might be first team all sophomore this year. He's been he's been like way better than year one. Yeah, it's like a like he was a good rebounder last year, and that was like okay. If you're a good rebounder, that's all you got as a guard. You know that's pretty concerning. Yeah, I'm over two on that because the other guy I thought that about was Terry Rozier. So, (laughs) but I think Fultz. I think Fultz look, next year is the last year of his contract, either next year or the year after that. Um, Fultz is, I feel bad for him. <laughs> There's been a lot of shit that's happened to him. I, I, yeah, that's all I got to say about Fultz.
0: Well, Suggs, can, can I, can I say real, yeah. real quick? So Fultz signs the contract. He signs a contract for three years, $50 million free agent in 20 free agent in the 2023 2024 season. I like Fultz. I like Fultz. But the problem was you you're 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 stuck because of how much you paid him. And I know you hate contracts, but you're you paid him a certain amount of money, Alex, to where I've got to play him. Because if you're a small market team, you can't just hand out those contracts like candy. You, you got to sit there and be like, OK, I paid him $16 million. Therefore, I got to start him. I got to I got to give him big minutes. And that was the problem. It's not the player. The organization messed that contract up. And, you know, I'm not crazy. I'm blaming the organization for contract. The organization messed up this.
1: So they're going to be they have Wendell Carter and Mo Bamba as restricted free agents this summer how they handle that will be very fascinating because mobamba has been pretty good. And Wendell Carter, shockingly, as soon as he left, <laughs> boiling. Awesome. awesome player. You got to get it back. Who got to saw that? Who could have saw that coming? I mean, Oh my gosh, complete shocker. So without factoring in their cap holds, they have about 2 million of cap space. Terrence what? Ross is a guy that could easily be traded. I mean, There's The last year of of Fultz's contract is partially guaranteed. So I think that That makes it a little less bad. That helps. Um, The good news is is that you still have three more years of control on Cole Anthony's contract. And you still have four more years of control. Or I guess two more years after this one on Cole Anthony's and then three years after this one on Suggs and Wagner. Plus the top four, five pick you're going to be getting in this year's draft. So... I think, yeah, it's an albatross, but it's not gonna cripple the franchise in the way that the I'm trying to think of a wow. Like the way that the Batum contract destroyed the Hornets, no, right? I agree with that. Like I it's agree not going and I think that's why they didn't pay Kemba. Like in all honesty. I yeah. thought I think they looked at Batum and they're like, you know, we made one mistake, we're not gonna make it again, which is We're smart. not making
0: it again. Yeah.
1: Um I think <laughs> <laughs> that their young core like i think those three guys are the guys you keep because we haven't seen isaac play basketball in forever right yeah we haven't i don't think I we've seen it. isaac since the bubble i
0: hate it yeah i know and it's so sad Gosh.
1: in real time that's only been about a year and a half that's two seasons
0: ago yeah that's that's yeah it's it's it sucks man it sucks yeah. i mean he like that sucks. That situation here's, here's, sucks. I hate it.
1: To bring it, Suggs, I got to say, just to close the loop on him. Yeah. I think Suggs, once, I, again, that's another case of a guy needing to catch up with how fast his body's moving, right? Because he's more athletic than everybody out there. And I thought he was going to be okay. He's going to pick it up. We know point guards one of the hardest positions to come in and be good at early, which is why Trey and Ja and Fox were so remarkable is because those guys were so good, so young. So I'm confident that Suggs will eventually figure it out. I'm not concerned about that. Here's my question to you, Caleb. Yeah. Has Wagner's on-ball ability made Jonathan Isaac expendable?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think Jonathan Isaac. I think Jonathan Isaac is expandable um, because. Number one, I mean, I would sit here. I mean, if you told me, okay, I understand he's off the injury. Okay. But if you told me right now, Jonathan Isaac's on the trade block, I mean, let's go. I mean, I'm on the freaking phone. Okay. I'm I'm a huge Jonathan Isaac guy. I will go on the phone and I will just be like, dude, what do I got to freaking have? Right. You know, I, I'm sitting there. He is the, when you think about a player in the NBA today, That 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 fits the mold of a future in the league. Like he's one of the five guys. I'm serious, Alex. That comes to my mind. Like his skill set is that good. But for Orlando's sake, I think with the way Wagner has played, you 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 obviously got to like what he's been doing. You know, he's given you good numbers. You picked him up high, and you know, I think he's somebody that yeah, you want to maximize. You want to be able to maximize. I think. You know, I would like to see him uh, more at the three. Um, plus, you know, Alex, another guy I really like, and I, I believe you like him as well, is I don't think it's a bad thing to look at Chuma Okiki, you know, and, and and look at what he's been giving you from the Magic's perspective, because I think he's another reason you can potentially expand John Isaac. No, I don't think Chuma Okiki is at the level of Franz Wagner or John Nice, but he's a pretty good player. And you can give those minutes comfortably. and. You know, I think absolutely, absolutely. It's 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 let's see what the market is for Jonathan Isaac, without a doubt.
1: I mean, you and I disagreed about Franz. I thought he was going to be pretty good. Neither of us saw this coming (laughs) where he's handling and picking rolls, where he's, you know, taking pull up jump shots. I mean, Caleb, he's like an actual I'm not going to put him in the top 100 yet just because he's on Orlando. But I'm going to think
0: about it. Right? Like, Uh, it's a shot on Jawan Howard. It's a shot on Jawan Howard for not using it right.
1: Or it's Franz Wagner being like, okay, I'm going to take a step back here. I'm going to, I think Franz Wagner, I think Franz Wagner and Cade actually kind of have the same problem where they're both not Mm. aggressive enough. Mm. And I think Franz is having to be aggressive. And we, Franz is really efficient for a rookie. Yes, he is. 47, 36, 85 for a
0: rookie. That's legit
1: second leading scorer in the class. Like
0: that's legit.
1: So look, I don't think we ever got clear on this. What were your objections on Wagner heading into the draft? And what's been the biggest difference between, I know you brought up Jawan Howard. Is that the biggest difference between now and then? Yeah,
0: this wasn't shown in Michigan. Yeah. This was not, this was not, this type of play was not shown. He was not doing what he was doing now. This was not the same player that I looked at in college. This, it just wasn't, they put him off the ball. They didn't have him be on the ball. They very rarely had him on the ball in situations. He was kind of an off the ball wing, just kind of looking to catch and shoot and kind of spotting up some penetration here and there, but he was not doing anything like he's doing in the NBA. Anything. My eyes, he is a completely different player than he was in college. In my opinion. Completely different player, um, because I think he clearly, clearly Orlando has maximized his talents. And I believe that Michigan did not. And Michigan tried to cater and tried to bring in and and use different pieces. And, you know, Wagner was still able to put up good numbers. But the way he's playing, the way he is playing right now in Orlando, I did not see this from Wagner. When I watched Michigan, it's not what my eyes told me. If somebody sat here and said to me, hey, you know, he was doing this in Michigan. I I mean, whatever. But I'm just saying, just going off my eyes, I didn't see this in Michigan. This was not the player that I followed in college. You know, he, he he is significantly taking a jump. And and that that's a huge credit. You know, Orlando gets a lot of shots for a bad, you know for being a very bad front office, but that to me Orlando needs to get a lot of credit for this. Their their organization has developed him into a very very nice player now.
1: Yeah. And if him and Suggs both hit, this could be a transformational draft for them. Like, should I think Wagner has the potential to be a top 50 player. And I think Suggs has the potential to be a top 25. I don't think, I think Wagner hitting, I think Wagner hitting top 50 is more likely than Suggs getting into the top 25. That's because top 25 is really hard. Right. (laughs) So I, I think that this could have been a transformational draft for the magic and they're going to get another high pick this year. And I'll be really curious to see which direction they go because it feels like they have a lot of good guys at all the positions. They I just, agree. They like, they need a couple more years, but once this team is like fully developed, like watch out. Have, yeah. Like they could, I wouldn't be surprised if this team picks first in the draft and then contends for the play in next year. Like it, totally wouldn't, sur- agree, Alex. it wouldn't surprise me at all. And you have those big contracts you can trade, you know, get like right. actual pieces. Right. So it'll be interesting to see what direction this all goes in. Um, well, I,
0: go ahead. And, and that's a Jabari Smith destination. <laughs> that's a Jabari Smith destination. You slide him, Alex, at that four spot. He gears you to another level. And then I am saying, and, and then, you know, that, that would take, the, to me, that's the dream that Jabari on Orlando is a dream and oh my gosh, I would die. <laughs> that would be unbelievable. And you know it, and you know it dude. I, I know it. <laughs>
1: um, let's talk about, let's go ahead and talk about Giddy real quick before rapid firing through the rest of these guys. Yeah. Giddy. It was the sixth pick. Um, currently he cannot throw the throw a rock into the ocean, but averaging 12 points, eight rebounds, six assists. Um, I mean, I don't really have anything else to say that I haven't already said about Giddy, except
0: if he had a jump shot, Caleb, he'd probably he's probably top 75 player already. He's that good. He's really good. Um, And I've texted you about him before. Um, My big issue is I just don't know what your plan is with with Giddy. I think Giddy's a really good player um, that I think has um, an absolutely insane potential. I think I think he has insane potential. Um, it would not shock me in three to four years if he put up Luka Doncic type stats. So I think he's that good. And if you if you have that type of player, then that definitely affects the other pieces that you have around him. And when I'm thinking about that, Alex, I'm thinking about Shea Gildas Alexander. I just don't believe that these two can play at an A level together. I think you've gotta say, I think you have to my personal opinion, I do not believe in that. I I think Josh Giddy will need to be the number one guy, period. Whether I think he's better than Shea is a different story. But I think you know, Giddy will need to have the ball in his hands. Giddy will need to have a um a Luca like usage offensively. And I, I think I think that, you know, when you're looking at that situation, I just again really like the player. I think he's he's a good player, but as a long term vision, this is when Sam Presti's really, really, really got to show me what he's thinking here. You know, there's a lot of pieces I like, and Alex, I mean, you want to talk about another guy that's expandable? If I'm the Oklahoma City Thunder, I cannot ignore what Trey Man is doing. I cannot. He's a very good player. I can't I can't just sit there and and sleep on it and turn my alarm off. Okay. I mean he to me they've got they've got a lot of pieces there.
1: They're a really talented young team. Yeah. And I think I'm not ready to call Poku a bust yet. (laughs) Oh (laughs) I I wanna see him again. I'm. I'm not ready to do it. I'm not ready to do it. I'm sorry. I'm. I will take the L when the L is handed to me. I don't think it's been handed to me yet. You and
0: you know. and six nine wings. Any six nine wing with talent. You're like. Poku's you're like. Oh my feet. gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh my
1: gosh. Poku's seven feet tall. But yes, the point oh, is. No. <laughs> the point stands. Um. I want to like. They have a really talented group of guys. They need more athleticism, right? And I think Trey Man's good for that. Trey Man. I think can be one of the five best shot creators in this class. Like he can get something out of nothing pretty easily. I really like what he shown this year. I agree. Um, And yeah, they have a really talented group of guards and they might not, they're in danger right now. Let me check the uh, tankathon standings, but they might not be in the top four. Nope. They're fourth right now. So right now the lottery odds are Orlando's first Detroit second, Houston's third, Oklahoma City's fourth, and then Indiana's fifth. So, right, those are the teams that are the most five most likely to get the first overall pick. And the Thunder could fall like seven or eight, I think. Right, <laughs> and that would be disastrous for them because they need more talent. Thankfully, they have a ton of picks where they can move up. But right, their pick is their only lottery pick. So I'll right. be curious to see what direction that leads them in. I um, Giddy. I wrote last one last note on Giddy before we rapid fire the rest of these rookies. Yep. Giddy had 28, 11 and 12 in Madison square garden. Like <laughs> that's really hard for any rookie to do, let alone on the road, let alone in the biggest stage in the NBA, like for how bad the Knicks have been. Madison square garden is still Madison square garden. So I really, it's really impressive from him, but let's go ahead and rapid fire. We already brought up Trey man. So Davion Mitchell. I think he's looked, he's been very up and down this year. No doubt about it. Um, He looks a lot better when playing next to one of the two guards, though. Now that one of them is gone in Halliburton, I think Mitchell might start looking a lot better. What do you think?
0: Um, Yeah, I think he's going to look a lot better. Um, I think, think, again, I I think the Kings, I, I really, I mean, I get it. You know, a lot of people didn't like they traded Halliburton, but my gosh, um, what this could open up for Davion Mitchell should be exciting for Kings fans. And I know that's hard because it seemed like Halliburton was really committed to your team long-term, but you should be excited about Davion Mitchell moving forward. You should be excited about De'Aaron Fox with Davion Mitchell moving forward. I believe in the Kings a lot right now in the way that they are heading. I think there's a lot of avenues that if they choose to For example, trade Rajon Holmes, get some decent value back. Again, there's just things I I really like. I think Monty, I really think Monty might have something here with the Kings, Alex. I think I really do.
1: I think so. Last twenty games, Mitchell's shooting thirty four percent from three, right? And a lot of those twenty games came with just one of Halliburton or Fox. So. Right. Again, and I think he'll I think him and Sabonis will develop a good repertoire. His defense, we don't need to talk about his defense. I mean, we knew what the defense was gonna be coming into the league, and it's been exactly up to expectations. So yeah. um I want to talk about Josh Primo. Okay. Well, probably the most controversial selection of last year's draft. Nobody yeah. had him going in the lottery. Was that a good decision by the Spurs? And do you think what did you think of that pick?
0: Um I like Primo, but I think the pick is gross because you've got, you get what I think the pick is gross because I don't understand it. like pick, like pick, pick who you want. Pick, you know what I mean by that is, you you've got a team now collectively. You got Lonnie Walker, who I really like. Devin Vassell, I really like. Josh Primo, I really like. Josh Richardson, I really like. You know, you probably took a shot on Romeo Langford. You may think he's a long-term piece. I don't know, but you have to pick Romeo Langford, Dejounte Murray. Um, you know, to me, Alex, there is a lot of pieces on this team. They need to pick. They need to say, okay, um, you know what what is. Primo, to me, 6'4", I like like what he can give you, but it's not going to do you any good, Alex, if you don't give him a consistent role. And with the guards that they have, there's a lot of talent there, and you can't give him any consistency. But you can't give any of their guards besides the John Tate consistency. So it's not a shot at just Primo. I'm saying in general, that's what the Spurs are having to work through. And I like all four of them. I like all four of them. I like DeJounte. I like Lonnie. I like Vassal and I like Primo. But I think you probably have to move on from one of them. And you really are not going to like who I think you should move off from. Do
1: you think they should move off from the cell?
0: No, (laughs) no. I mean, I'm going to name it. I don't think they should move off the cell. I'm a believer in moving off John Day Murray.
1: I can I think see I it. think I I think you if, think I he's think, too good.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think he's, I think he's, yeah, I think he's too good. I think he's, I think, I think if you're the Spurs, you've got to commit to this rebuilding process. And I think Lonnie Walker has really never been maximized. I I loved Lonnie Walker out of Miami, a really good bucket getter. But again, if you're giving him inconsistent playing time, he can't get shots up. So it's not going to do you any good. I think I personally believe, and I get it. I know that's a, I know that's a take that will not you're not hearing from everybody. Okay. But I think, I think, I think you've got DeJounte Murray. I would be very, I would be interested to see if you could get, if there's a team that, that, that comes up to you and says next season, you know, Hey, um, I, I need, I need somebody to take me over the top. I need, I need, I need somebody to take me over the top, take me from a playoff team, to a team sniffing at conference finals appearances. I think DeJounte Murray can do it. I let's let's go look at let's go look at a potential avenue of of either, you know, some trade process trade picks or or whatever. I think DeJounte Murray is somebody that I, I would be it'd be very intriguing to me what you could get to him via trade.
1: That's very interesting proposition. I I will definitely have to dive back into that next time we get together, but um, we're on a little bit of a time crunch. That's why we're kind of trying to wrap yeah. the fire. But last yeah. question about Primo. If he was in this year's draft, is he a lottery pick? So part of the appeal for Primo being a lottery hmm. pick last year, or like even getting picked was like, you're getting a next year lottery pick this year. Do you think that's the case now after watching, having a whole college basketball season?
0: Um. I think he would have gone either right where he was to San Antonio or a little later. And I, I do not think he would have gone earlier. I mean, he would have had to take, he would have had to have a massive jump to go earlier. Not saying he was even capable of that. Um, but when you look at a guy like Primo coming out of Bama, you know, they like to run like four or five guards out there consistently. So the playing time, is not really dominated by like two or three pieces. It's kind of what makes them so good. Cause they have such a deep guard room and they, you know, and, and, and NATO, really knows what he's doing there. So to be honest with you, um, I don't know if he would have jumped up significantly.
1: Fair. That's fair. Um, Indiana, Duarte and Isaiah Jackson. <laughs> I think, those two, uh, Duarte has been one of the best rookies in this class. I agree. And Isaiah Jackson is going to have a little bit more of an opportunity now that there's no big man besides your guy, Goga. No. <laughs> I'm sorry. I couldn't say that with a straight face. We both kind of saw this coming from Duarte, but I mean, maybe not this, but we kind of knew no, Duarte didn't see this. Yeah. Duarte was going to be good. I don't think either of us saw him being this good. Like,
0: no. No.
1: How surprised are you that Duarte's averaging 13 points a game on pretty efficient shooting?
0: Um I I thought he would be a, I thought he'd be a very good player early on. Numbers are slightly higher than I would have thought. Um but it, I guess my but it does not shock it doesn't it doesn't really I don't sit there and go holy cow, I didn't see this guy. If you would have told me before the season, hey, Duarte could go 13 points a night and he can give me efficient shooting in this rookie season. I would not tell you that's crazy because, you know, it, again, with, you know, the kind of the rare prospect that he is with all that experience internationally and stuff like that, it's a different, it's a really different player to gauge. I, I still think people need to consider that. I need to consider that when evaluating him. It's not, you and I talked about Jalen Green. You cannot evaluate Jalen Green like you do Duarte. I mean, completely different, completely different trajectory, um, completely different. They might be similar in terms of they're good shot makers, they're good shot creators, but Duarte is, def- Duarte is is what he is. He is what he is. And I think for the Pacers, that's what they like. He, he's going to give you. In my opinion, he'll be a 13 to 15 point game store on pretty efficient shooting his entire career. And that's a good player.
1: Yeah. I mean, the Pacers thought they were going to be a lot better this year, but, um, <laughs> you know, they aren't. It's funny because Duarte is a year younger than Miles. <laughs> right. And right. Miles has been in the league for six years. Exactly. I Miles Duarte is older than me. So do with that information what you will. I was born in December 1997. He was born in June 1997. Um, I think that they I think Duarte still is just a good piece to have. I think he's somebody teams will want in the future if you ever want to trade him. And I'll be really curious to see which direction Indiana goes with their first top nine pick in 30 literally 30 years they better um last team i want to talk about is new orleans pelicans trey murphy and herb jones trey murphy i'm a little disappointed in but they don't their point guard situation has been horrible so i think he'll be better once they have an actual point guard and he gets used to the nba speed herb jones has come out of the gate strong and i think you've expressed the fact like the feeling that there might be a little regression in his shooting, but I think the rest of his game is good enough to make up for yeah. the fact if he's not a good enough shooter. Like, did Herb show this at Alabama?
0: That's my main question. He showed the defense, absolutely. Dominated against SEC competition defensively. Um, took Herb Jones, Herb Jones had this defensive prowess. He absolutely did. Um, it just was not on display like a Davion Mitchell. But uh and the reason for that was Baylor was, you know, a top, you know, four to five team and yeah, yeah, yeah. But he had this, Herb Jones has had this defensive prowess uh, for at least two years uh, before he came to the league. Uh, He he could do it all, one through five, guard everybody, one through five. Uh, And I agree with you a hundred percent. Yes, I'm concerned. Uh, I do not believe that the shooting will continue, although I would love to be wrong. Uh, But I do think that his overall way of playing the game is absolutely sustainable it's you know he he's i think honestly i i think the assist numbers will go up i I know that seems weird but i think he's a bomb i don't think he sits there and tries to do too much with the ball I think he knows what he's doing. I think the numbers will show as he gets used to more speed in the NBA. Um, I expect personally, I expect the rebound numbers to go up once he gets more size. Uh, I, it would not shock me at all, Alex, if we saw Herb Jones next season go for twelve points, six rebounds, and like five assists. And that's a really and that's a really good player. That's a great player to have for a New Orleans Pelicans team with the roster that they have assembled.
1: Yeah, it's a, like it's a diamond in the rough. And these guys fall to the second round all the time. He right. was the com- wasn't he the conference player of the year yeah. last year? The yeah. Yes, he was. Yes. Like, I know that, you know, that might be a little overrated, but oh, usually those guys are good players. Yeah, I agree. Usually, I agree with that. Alex. Like Malcolm Brockton, another guy that fell to the second round who is pretty underrated in college because he was older, right? Right. Raymond Green. You go through the list of guys, Chris Middleton, who just fell to the second round because they were older. And I understand, like, you know, okay, I don't want to waste a four-year contract on this guy, but then that means you hit restricted free agency sooner. That means you have to pay. Herb is going to get paid when he becomes a free agent. If he keeps up this defense... I agree. I agree. Like he is going to get paid. Yeah. It, Cause he's a legitimately impactful defender already. You right. never like between him and Mobley, you never see guys this good coming out of college on defense. You just, and IO, you just never see that. And I really, I want to see him. <laughs> this Pelicans team is so bad on defense right now. He has to plug so many holes. Right. Right but I want to see him on a team with other good defenders. Cause I think he could be a ceiling raiser on that end of the floor. I really do. I agree. I and agree. then Murphy, I think Murphy has defensive talent. I mm-hmm. think he has offensive talent. I just think, you know, he came, I know his background was, he came from a little bit of a smaller school than played in Virginia last year. So right. he's, you know, it's a lot to jump from mm-hmm. in a couple of years time, but I think he'll figure it out. Like he's got I the agree. tools. I agree. And I think that's something he'll eventually figure out. Um, Caleb, I think we've touched on everything we needed to touch on. This was a little bit of a longer episode, but we it was very productive. I know you guys are on break on lunacy, but real quick, since the Super Bowl episode was lost of time, just real quick, thirty second Super Bowl take. Go. <laughs> um,
0: since I just not ready for the moment yet. Great team, Um, but just you know, again, they they made huge strides this season, but the Rams were built for a championship moment, and they got. it.
1: And unfortunately, our listeners will never be able to hear that episode. I wish we could. I I hated that the Rams or that the Bengals ran it on third down right at Aaron Donald. One of the stupidest things I've ever seen. Um, I was going for the Bengals, but, you know, you, you got to call a spade a spade. Um, make sure you check out Circle City Cinema this week. Boba Fett is done. But that doesn't mean Bryce and Zach stopped podcasting together. They did the last duel, which was an excellent pod. Make sure you check that out. And then, yeah, make sure you check out next week's episode of the Power Hour when JD and I get back together to do the I believe it's the Grizzlies, the Wizards and the Rockets. So not the best week, (laughs) honestly, but that'll be fun to do. Caleb Lynn, thank you so much for joining me and everyone. Thank you so much for listening.